If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Uh, it is, it is a, a sermon, if you will, as Jesus is finding himself there in Jerusalem. He's making his way to the cross. The crucifixion is very much within view. And Jesus is going to speak to a certain group of people that we know as the Pharisees. Now, now, if you're like me, the word Pharisee has a lot of negative connotations to it, doesn't it? Um, it doesn't have to have negative connotations. Paul would even brag about the fact that he was a Pharisee. And all he was trying to say was, I believe that we ought to keep the Word of God. We had a very strict understanding of those things. The word Pharisee is, well, it's misused in a lot of circles. It's uh, it's, uh, I'll be quite honest, it's been applied to me on more than one occasion. Uh, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean in this context some, something, um, well, let me just say it like this. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that people don't always use rightly. They apply it to people and to things that it, that it doesn't belong on. Uh, simply because you use the Word of God or insist on the Word of God, that doesn't make you a Pharisee. A Pharisee as we're going to see in this chapter, someone who is really struggling with a hypocritical and a self-righteous spirit who doesn't really, who doesn't really walk with the Lord. We'll see that as, as, we go, as we go through this. Jesus is going to talk specifically to this group of people. But I wanted us to spend some time in this text because I want us to think about ourselves. Not just the outward adornments. I want us to think about our own walk with the Lord. See, if we could go to the very end of this sermon, sometimes that, that might help us before we actually get into the sermon. At the end of this sermon is something that you're all familiar with, right? There in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. At the end of his sermon, this is kind of like his conclusion, but it will help us to hear what he's saying, to hear the tone, to hear the passion, to hear what, what he's trying to get across. Jesus stands there and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way that a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were unwilling. But behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think it's an important place for us to start. To understand that what Jesus was really trying to get at was something that internally was a difficult thing for him. There was grief in his heart. There was grief in his mind as he processed what is going to be a scathing rebuke. And I don't know of any, way, any other way to describe what we're going to see here in chapter 23. But he did, not, he did not give this rebuke with a sense of, and now you're going to get what you've got coming to you. No, it grieved him. It might take you back to, we laugh, we laugh at that old saying that, that a parent will, will tell their child, this hurts me more than it hurts you, 
right? And we'll say, well, you're not the one getting a belt up your backside. But, but there's some truth in that, isn't there? That I don't, I don't want these things. I don't want to punish my children. I don't want to inflict pain on them. This grieves me to have to do this. This grieves me to have to say that. And, and if, we don't, if we don't understand the ending of this sermon, I think, I, think it can impact, I think it can impact the way that we hear the entire sermon. Jesus is saying, even to the Pharisees, I care about your soul. I want to save you. I want you to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to get serious about this because I love you. I care for you. Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, let's go to the beginning of to the beginning of the chapter. And we're going to see some things about what true Pharisaism really is, all in the context of trying to, of trying to say, let's think about our life. Let's think not, not just about the outward adornment of our life, but let's think about, let's think about who we truly are and, and, how we're, and, how we're, truly, and how we're truly living as, as we think about these things. You see, their problem, their problem is going to be one of hypocrisy. Right there in Matthew chapter 23, he begins in those first few verses. And then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. Okay, so, so they're in the position of being the teachers. They're in the position of being the religious elite. And Jesus is saying, a lot of the things that they're telling you are good things. Listen to these things. Do do and observe, but you need to be careful that you don't do them in the same way that they do them. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling, are unwilling to move them so much as a finger. It's the same thing that Paul it's the same thing that Paul says in Romans chapter 2 when he speaks to the Jewish people. You who consider yourself as, as, as a guide to the blind, but yet, but yet you don't teach yourself. You're, you're full of great words. You're, you're saying many true things, but, but you're not living it yourself. Do, do you want to know how to, how to undermine your ability to share Jesus Christ with the world? Say one thing and do another. Say one thing and do another. Have we, have we not all seen that? Have we all not heard people that, that, that would decry hypocrites in the church? Now, there are hypocrites in the church. There will always be hypocrites in the church because there are people in the church. But we'd better not be those hypocrites in the church. We have to understand that. Even more to the point, we'd better not let hypocrites in the church be our excuse for not being in the church. Someone once said, I thought it was, it was, it was a pretty quaint way of saying it. He said, you, you, you can either go to church with hypocrites now, or you can spend eternity with them after these days. You pick. I think I'll go to church with them now. I think, you, I think we need to be willing to, to, to work through these things now. This is what they, they were doing. They were setting these lofty standards of what ought to be done, but yet they didn't live it out. 
They would preach eloquent sermons. They, they would tell people about how they ought to be living their life, but then they wouldn't say them. They wouldn't do them. What about us? What about us? He's trying, he's trying to get them to look inside themselves. It's one of the dangers of preaching. It's one of the dangers of being evangelistic. It's one of the reasons of, of trying to help people spiritually. In that, in that we can set ourselves up as the teachers of others, which is needed, right? But we never, we never make the application towards ourselves. I think about that a lot as a preacher. Let, let, let me assure you that, that, that I, I strive every time I get in the pulpit to think, what is this saying about me? And, and it doesn't always say good things about me, Right? And there's, and there's part that says, well, maybe I should just avoid this subject. No, it's the Word of God. What, what, what I ought to see when I, when I see that, that shortcoming or when I see that, that I'm saying one thing and doing another, there needs to be a change. Do preachers need to examine themselves? Shake your head up and down. We like to say preachers need to do that, right? That's totally true. But that's not just true about, about preachers. That's true about every one of us. Every single one of us need to, need to be asking, am I being consistent but, but this, is, this is something more. It's not, by the way, we will all find inconsistencies in our life, right? We will all find ourselves coming short of the glory of God. That doesn't justify it, doesn't make it okay. But, but here, we're talking not just about someone who's struggling in their, Christian law, in their Christian walk, not just someone who falls short in their Christian walk. All will fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3 and verse 23. We're talking about people who are intentionally trying to deceive others in regards to their spiritual status. I'm going to say something, and, and it's something you need to do, and I know that I'm not going to do it, and I don't care. I'm still going to keep saying it. See, there's a difference in I'm going to say something, and, I, and I'm struggling with this also. You ever, you, ever, you ever try to share something with someone that you're struggling with also? You ever try to, sometimes, um, Shell and I will, will do these marriage seminars. We got one in January. And can I tell you, you, you haven't lived until you've stood in front of, of a bunch of your brothers and sisters in Christ and told them about, about, how they, about how they can and should have godly marriages. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, well, okay, I'm not very doing a very good job at that. I'm not, I mean, I got some work to do over here. It is, and sometimes I just I think, why am I, why, why am I the one telling people about this, right? My wife's probably thinking that doubly over about, about me. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. But, but, but this, there's a difference in that and saying, I know I don't do these things and I, and, and I'm not, I have no intention of making any changes in my life, but I'm still going to tell you. That's what the Pharisees were. They saw their own sin and they did nothing about it. They just let it go because, after all, we're the Pharisees. That's that Romans 2 stuff, right? After all, we're Jews. After all, we're the descendants of Abraham. After all, we are spiritually special people. You, you keep reading in verse 5. They do their deeds to, to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and, and lengthen the tassels of their garments. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men, Rabbi. Do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher and all, and all others are brothers. 
Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called, do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. They, they, they wanted this idea that they had some sort of a special status. Can that happen? In particular, as we, as we compare light to darkness, are, are we supposed to stand out? Are we supposed to stand out from the world? Shake your head. Of course we are. Light and darkness. If, if you are a spiritually mature Christian, ought you even to stand out in the body? Paul talks about different parts of the body that, 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 have, that have different needs, right? Some, some are more mature, some are less mature. He talks about how, how, how we deal with those things. When we start to understand that and we start to grow in our faith, is it easy, is it easy to somehow to think, well, well, I'm something special? And then, not only to think that, which is, which is the seed of all of this, but actually to want other people to acknowledge that. Do you know who I am? I've known elders and I've known preachers. I've known deacons who will basically say, well, I'm an elder. Well, I'm the preacher. Well, I'm a deacon. Well, so what? That's what he's saying here. If, if, if it's one of these things that I have to, to throw this around, where you need to acknowledge my, who I am in spite of what you're seeing the behavior put before you, which is what, 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 what these Pharisees are. See, that, that's the problem with them. And so they would broaden their phylacteries. We, we don't do this, but you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 6 where he talks about the frontlets, this little leather box, right, that they would put on their arm and they would put on their, they would put on their head. We, we, we don't do that, right? As if, as if a little leather box would not be walking around on your forehead would not be uh, something that would gain enough attention, they would say, we're going to make it really big. We'll make it just a little bit bigger, right? My little leather scripture box is bigger than your little leather scripture box, and obviously everybody knows that. Or, or they, would take the, 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 they would take the tassels of their garments, which, by the way, that's numbers. In, in, in the book of Numbers, he, he talks... He, he talks about that. He talks about put it, putting these tassels on their garments, but they would make them a little extra long so they would stand out so that you can see, so that you can see the, the pomp and the circumstance, I guess. When I, when I graduated uh, with, with my doctorate several years ago, I don't know if you know it or not, but, but if someone has a doctorate, they have these, these three black stripes, right, on, on their graduation robes. And that's what I was, you know, you, you, want, you want the stripes, some of you guys know that. Some of you don't care. But, uh, but I remember whenever we went to go get our robes, uh, you, of course, everyone who got a doctorate got the three stripes. But if you paid a little bit more, you could get them in red. And if you paid a little bit more, you'd get them in red, outlined in gold. Right? And it, it was all the same. We all had the same degree. And I was like, how come, how come we don't have the same robe on here? Well, that's the idea. I mean, I want people to see these things. That's what they were doing religiously. And, and not only that, they, 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 loved, they loved to be called rabbi. They, 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 wrote, they, they, they loved their, their titles. For someone to exalt them and say, well, you know, uh, the rabbi, pastor, reverend, all these titles, right? Some, some guys, I've, I've seen a couple business cards that I thought, 
man, you got like eight titles that are going on there, and I don't even know how, how am I supposed to know who you are? It's just brother. It's just brother. That's who I am. That's who you are. We are brothers. There is only one rabbi. There is only one teacher. There's only one leader, right? He's not saying that titles aren't real things. He's saying, but if you're depending on those things, if you're insisting on on those things, if you're correcting people when they don't use the proper title for you, you got a problem. That's what's going on with the Pharisees. They They were hypocrites in these things trying to convey some sort of a special religious status that, that just the reality wasn't, wasn't backing it up. Now, now that you had to understand, there would have been people that were hearing this who would have fit this description perfectly. Are, are we ever knowingly inconsistent in our teaching? Have you ever preached a sermon, taught a Bible class, told someone about something uh, at lunch, that you knew that you were inconsistent. Not, I don't, I don't want to use the word inconsistent. That that you knew that you were refusing to repent in, like you know that there is this thing that comes that comes between you and God, but you didn't do anything about it. But you continue to preach that others ought ought to repent. Has that ever happened to anybody in this room? I bet it has. I bet it has. Have we ever felt like people need to give you? need to give us more respect. People need to acknowledge who we are and what we've done. It ever happened to anybody? It happened then. It's not just them. These are very real things. There are people that are hearing these things, and what are they saying? Oh, that's, that's talking about me. He's talking about me. No, no, you're supposed to preach at those people. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking to you for a minute. Right? I'm talking, I'm talking to the religious leaders for a moment. I know that the world is dark and it's full of sin and that, and that, and that the days are evil and that, and that Jesus calls all men everywhere to repent. I get all that, right? Romans chapter 1, we live in a sinful world. But just for a minute, let's talk, let's talk about God's people. Let's talk about the things that are leading God's people to actually be the ones to crucify Jesus. It wasn't, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the pagans of the world that crucified Jesus. It wasn't even the Romans. They were puppets, if, if you will, of the whole situation. It was the religious leaders. That's what he's talking to. That, that, that's what he's getting at there. And it's not just for us to say, oh, those Pharisees, they're terrible people. I, I suspect that they were people just like you and me who got caught up, who got caught up in the outward adornment of their religion rather than on true biblical spirituality of truly knowing and walking with God. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, he says, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men. For you yourselves do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So, so it's, not, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that, that, that you are not going to enter into the kingdom. It's bad enough that you are not walking with God. But, but you, you set up this system where you won't even allow anybody else to go in. See, that, that doesn't come from God. The, the gospel's for all. Can anyone in this room know God? Can anyone in this room respond to the gospel? Can anyone in this room be saved? Can, can anyone in this room... I, I was talking about the high school class this morning, and, and we're talking about, about growing in our faith. Man, what we're talking about being a man of God, a woman of God. 
It's equal opportunity. Anyone can be a man of God or be a woman of God if they so choose. But what the Pharisees were doing was taking God's invitation and and they were perverting it. They were adding to it. And they were making it impossible for others to go in. Well, if I can't can't be that person, then you can't be that person. They were taking their traditions and they would stack them upon the truth. Um, the, the, the Satan talks about God building a hedge around people, but in many ways, what, what the Pharisees would do is that they would build a hedge around the things of God. As if we would have the, the, the will of God, the truth of God, and they would say, okay, that's right, or that's righteousness, and we don't want to get anywhere close to violating that. So, so they would go out and they would build a hedge around it. And then, and, well, you know what? I mean, I, I, we're not getting close, but we really don't want to get close. So they'd build another hedge around it, and then another hedge. It, it's one of the reasons that when... when, when when people are walking through, through the fields and they're, and they're eating grain out of the fields, all of a sudden we're having this conversation about whether you're breaking the Sabbath day because you picked a thing of grain? No, they didn't violate the law. They violated the tradition. And their traditions became untenable. You can't keep all the traditions. I don't even know all your traditions because you made them up. Right? Has anyone ever violated, violated a tradition that you didn't know existed? Maybe in your family? Like maybe when you first got married to your husband or your wife and you went and they had a tradition and you didn't even know it was a tradition. Like there is a right way to butter your corn and a wrong way to butter your corn, right? But I'm not going to tell that story because I'd be in trouble if I did, right? But this is, we we do, but that's silly stuff in our family. But what about these things religiously? We make it impossible, not my intention to go back to when I was in seminary, but I was thinking about when I was in, in seminary when I was looking at this, and there were, there were a lot of traditions, a lot of denominational traditions that they just, they just knew. They just knew that that was, I mean, th- this is like the most basic understanding, and they were kind of laughing at me, right? And we were cutting up, and, you know, me, and the, you know Hazel over there, he don't even know what, what we're talking about. And I kind of felt bad, because I, I, I didn't know what they were talking about. But then it hit me, and then I told them, Hey guys, the reason I don't know what you're talking about is because it's not in the Bible. You made it up. So how am I supposed to know? All of a sudden, it was ha-ha on them and not on me, right? Because if it's in the Bible, I think I'd know about it. They were telling myself it wasn't in the Bible. That's what the Pharisees are doing. Their, 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 traditions, their traditions were becoming their law, and they weren't keeping the law, but they wouldn't let anybody else keep it either. They, 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 became, they became obsessed with Money rather than mercy. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you, you devour widows' houses even while for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. Can people ever use prayer as a pretense? One of, the, one of the biggest insults I ever got in my life, I had someone that told me they were praying for me. And it was an attack. They, they, they had really done a lot of harm to me and to my family. And they said, they said, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I was like, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, I don't need prayers like that. But, but they wanted to appear as if they were a very godly person. When I know what had went on the last week. 
and it had been a whole lot of backstabbing. Now, now you're going to pray? Now you're going to get up and, and, and pray? Are you serious? That's, that's what the Pharisees are doing. Once again, it's this, this, this I'm, I'm saying one thing, I'm living something else. This ought to challenge us. In particular, they would devour widows' houses. They get caught up in possessions. They get caught up in material things. Is it easy? Is it easy for our religious life to be about possessions and material things? Shake your head. Of course it is. We get distracted by those things. We begin to quantify, and the more that we have, the easier that that that, that, that becomes. Becomes all about well, you know, we we have we have to, we have this building, or we have this budget, or we have this program. Or, um, elders, have you ever got derailed in a meeting talking about money? And you thought to yourself, what are we talking about? Elders, make, make, make me feel better by shaking your head, right? Of course. Like, why, why are we talking about this? Like we, we, but it, it happens to us. It happens to us. That's what was happening to them. But when it happened to them, they didn't put the brakes on. They didn't put the brakes on because, because it became all about it became all about the possessions. It became all about the things of, of this world. I advise people all the time to step back from those things, especially, and you can have a lot or have a little and be prone to this, but especially if you are prone to controlling, to controlling money, listen, it can take all the spirituality out of your life. You've got to learn to step back and say, I'm, just, I'm, not, even in that. I'm not even in that conversation. I'm not losing my soul over, over what the budget looks like. I'm not losing my soul over this decision, that decision, even though, I, I mean, I have a feeling about it. But I'm just going to tell you, I've been in a lot of meetings in 25 years. And, and you say meetings, it could be a formal thing, but it could be around a lunch table where people, where people have lost their religion talking about money. That's what's going on there. That's not new, guys. That's 2,000 years old. So we need to be careful about those things. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. I should probably give more emphasis or effect to that. Woe to you, right? I mean, it's like, boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Is he going through there? Like, you got this problem and that problem. But he's making a point. Hypocrites, you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. I mean... Sometimes that people say we just, you know, Jesus was a little bit softer in what he said. I'm just this verse always comes into my mind. I'm not I'm not saying that you're not doing anything. I'm saying that what you're doing is counterproductive. You're going into all the world. Wonderful. What are you doing there? Are you making disciples of Christ? That's not what they were doing. They'd go halfway around the world. You travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte. Awesome! But the reality is he doesn't become a proselyte. He doesn't become a disciple. He becomes, he becomes twice as much a son of hell as you. But they were busy. But they were active. They were having Bible studies of some sort, it would seem. They'd make a proselyte. I, I, want, I want you to think about what are you doing? What are we really producing not just to be active, but to be authentic. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated. 
You ever wonder in, in, the, in the New Testament why we have these admonitions against oaths and taking oaths? Sometimes people ask about, is it okay you know, like to be sworn in for a court or, or something like that? Listen, what, what he's, the text is not saying that, that, that it's wrong for us to promise. It's not saying it's wrong for us to swear in in, in a court of law. What he's talking about was, were, were, were these systems that, that they would devise to get them out of keeping their word. Well, well, I swear, I swear by the temple. Well, I swear by the gold of the temple. It's kind of like, uh, um, I dare you, or I double dog dare you. Is there a difference in those two? How about a, it's Christmas time, how about a triple dog dare you? What does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything, right? But in our heads, it's like, oh, yeah, man, he really called you out. Now you got to do something. Well, they, they would do that. Like, well, I swear on the temple. Oh, but, I, but, but now I'm not swearing on the gold in the temple. And thereby, all, all I did was swear on the temple. I don't really have to keep that nearly as seriously as if I sweared by the gold of the temple. You fools. I mean, you blind men. What in the world? Where'd you get this? But they believed it. They understood it, right? Even, even Pharisees would would manipulate their offerings by, by declaring them as Corban. And, and like, one day I want to give that to God, therefore now I can't help my own mother and father in the flesh that I have responsibility to help because I'm serving God. Now, where'd they get that? They made it up. They made it up. You fools, you blind men. Which is more important, the gold or the temple that, is sanctifi- the temple that sanctified the gold? You understand what he's saying? Whoever swears by the altar, that's nothing. But whoever swears by the offering, he's then obligated. Huh? That's your yes be yes, and your no be no. That's what, that, that's what Jesus is trying to get at. Quit trying to say things. Quit trying to, you know, well, I had my fingers crossed. What's it got to do with you telling the truth or telling a lie? Just because you crossed your fingers or crossed your eyes. I don't know. That had nothing to do with it. Either you told the truth or you told a lie. But they had justified themselves in these things. They had, they had majored in minors and minored in majors, right? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill, cumin, and have neglected the weightier portions of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These are things that you should have done without neglecting the others. He's not saying only worry about the big things. Don't sweat the small stuff. That's not what he's saying. He's saying your problem is, your problem is you're being defined by the most minor of things. Not just by the idea of tithing, but you're going as far as to tithe mint and dill. You guys are getting the spice rack? Anybody ever spilled the spices? Right, and like little bitty every you know, I'll count out ten I'll count out ten pieces of dill and every other every tenth one I'll give to the Lord. You know how ridiculous that is? Now if you want to do that, you can. I'm just probably gonna say, I mean, if I'm if I'm tithing from my dill, I'm gonna probably give him more than ten percent. That's at least what I I'm giving there, right? But he's saying you're going to this all these drastic measures for the spice rack and justice and mercy. And faithfulness? You don't even care about justice. You're acting as if, well, you know, it doesn't matter that that these right right things or wrong things are happening. You're not a merciful person. 
Can I tell you, it doesn't make any difference if you tithe from the spice rack or from all of your offering. If you're not a merciful person, you don't look like Jesus. Is that a true statement? That's a true statement. So he's trying to get them to understand. How about faithfulness? Well, you know, you know, I mean, I, I know. I know I don't come to worship, but I send in my offering. Is that what he's saying? Do we struggle with that today? Shake your head up and down. We do. Jesus is saying, he's not saying, don't make your offering. He's not saying, he's saying, I want you to be faithful. I want your world to revolve around these things. I know that I'm doing these certain things that I'm supposed to do, but, but, but I, don't even, I don't even pick up God's word. I treat, I treat my coworkers with contempt. I don't care about what happens to other people. You should have done these things without neglecting the others. That's what he's saying. Don't get your minors and your majors mixed up. The truth is, I'm going to tell you, if you're concerned about justice and mercy and faithfulness, your, your tithing is going to take care of itself. You put your heart in God's hands, and all the other stuff is going to take care of itself. But if you try to take care of all the little stuff without, without dealing with the major stuff, you're just going to be a Pharisee. You're just going to be a Pharisee. Woe, woe to you. And we're not, you can read, and there's sections in here for you to read. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Do, 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 do we see that? It's not just about looking the part. Back, back up, if you will. Back up, if you will, to verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! You clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. Do y'all like my tie? It's my Christmas tie. I've been waiting a year to wear this. And if you don't like it, act like you do. It'll make me feel like make me feel better. I like my tie. I feel pretty good about it this morning. Just being quite honest. Does that make me godly? No. I could be godly with or without it. Right? I mean, it looks nice, granted. I know that's what you're all thinking, right? Like I do I look like a preacher? Sometimes I'll I walk in, you go to the hospital. And, and they, they can, like, identify you. How did you know I was a preacher? I asked somebody that one. I said, well, you just look like one. You know, I asked them. They said, well, you know, khakis, polo, middle of the afternoon, man by himself. You must be a preacher. Okay. Every once in a while they call me a doctor. I'm like, well, I, don't, I just let it go. The, uh, but, 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 but I know what it looks like. That's fine. That's fine. If you want to wear a Christmas tie, you wear a Christmas tie. But I want to go deeper than that. If the best you got is what I'm looking at, that ain't much. That's superficial. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. You're like whitewashed tombs. You, ever, you go to the grave, the grave, grave, graveside, cemetery. Some of them are nice. Especially if you go back. This used to be a lot, a lot bigger thing. Um, I don't know if they do that here, but when we're in Tennessee, they also have a decoration day. Do they do decoration days here? 
Maybe not, maybe not quite as much. But it's, it's a big deal. Miss Teresa, you know what I'm saying? In Tennessee, it's a, it's a big deal, right? It's like everybody goes and, and you go down to your great-grandparents' grave and you decorate it and make it look really nice. And it's, some cemeteries are beautiful. There's a cemetery in Memphis, Tennessee. It's, it's like right in the middle of, of a part of town I would not walk in by myself. And you cross over this little bridge and it is just beautiful. Like, you, they have weddings in this cemetery. It's so pretty. Can you imagine? It's got to be pretty, pretty pretty to have a wedding in a cemetery, right? But it's that pretty. They're in a cemetery filled with dead bodies. He says, that's what you are. You're like a whitewashed tomb. Get a new coat of paint on the grave, on the grave, gravestone. Okay, it's still a tomb filled with dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. He says, I'm, I'm telling you these things because I I'm not just trying to say woe unto you to say woe unto you. I want you to know these things grieve me. I'm going to die on the cross because of this sin. Feel that, church. Right? Now, as I've gone through these things, I'm hoping that you've picked up on at least one or two of them and said, eh, that might be me in there, right? And I want you to feel that's why Jesus died on the cross. Because of my sin, because of your sin, because of their sin. I want us to feel the grief. This grieved Him. And as much as, as when you've had to punish your child for their actions, I don't want to. I wish, I wish they would straighten up and fly right. I wish they would behave. I wish they would act like a man, act like a woman. I wish they would, they would don't, act, don't act like this. I'm like, that, I'm like that hen that wants, all she wants is to gather her chicks under her wings. You ever, you ever stumble on a bird's nest that's in the ground, and there's a mama bird, and, and you don't even know it. You're walking along, and you're getting, you're getting close to the, to the baby birds. What does, that, what does that bird do? Lose its mind. Like, what is wrong with that bird? It's just a mama bird that's wanting to protect her, 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 her little baby birds. That's all that it is. Jesus says, that's how I feel about you. That's how I feel about the Pharisees. That's how I feel about, about all of creation. But you were unwilling. What in the world? How come on... December 12th, why are we talking about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23? It's for this reason. I want us to do some examination. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. And here's the thing. I can't do that for you. You have to do that. They had to do that. I mean, I can look at people and say, I don't know, there may be something more. But I don't know any more than you know about me. But you know, I know, you know whether these things are convicting or not. So Jesus says, I've been trying and trying and trying to get through to you, but you just wouldn't listen. You know people like that? You've been trying and trying and bending over backwards and, and coming up just short of dying on the cross for somebody, but they just won't listen. I was going to be people like that. Is it possible that we're people like that? That we can be, have been, might, will be people like that? Possible. 
And that possibility should drive us to say, I don't want to be that person. I don't want a whole chapter in Jesus' last, in Jesus last week just talking about how rotten I am. Woo. He could probably do it, couldn't he? Could, uh, you ever thought about that? If he just wanted to, I mean, a whole chapter. If he just, Thomas, you're easy, I'm going to pick on you. But, but if, if, you don't mind, I appreciate that about you. The, uh, so is the Lord. But, 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 but to say, if, if the Lord wanted to just pick, pick your life apart and say, hey, let me give you a whole chapter about all the ways that you fall short of my glory. Could, could he do it? I think he probably could. For you and me and, and, and everybody in the world. No, he didn't do that for us. He did that for the Pharisees, right? But I better learn from them. Would it make any difference? Does it make any difference? I can stand up here all day long. I can talk, and you guys know that. I can go for a long time. I see my time's gone. But, but, but we, we, we can go, and we can, we can talk about, you know, Jesus died on the cross, and you have the ability to be born again, to be baptized into Christ. And you know what happens? Nobody moves. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I died on the cross, but yet you were unwilling he, he, can, he can extol us to be people who are people of the Word of God. I have this on my mind a lot about people that, that, that actually meditate upon the Word of God and spend time in the Word of God, but yet, I'm too busy for that. You are unwilling. He, 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 can, he can teach us about what sin is in our life, and we, we can identify it. Oh yeah, that's talking about me. I know I need to change, but I'm not willing to. And yet, you were unwilling i don't know what he's saying to you i don't know what would be written in your chapter i'm glad it's not in print for the whole world to see but but you you know you know i know the question is are we willing to do anything about it their response their response was they went out and they beat him near death and put him on the cross to shut him up because they didn't want to hear about it. That's what they did. And that's what a lot of people do to the gospel. I don't want to be that person. I want my response to be one of humility. Lord, Lord, I come to you as a sinful man struggling in more ways than the world knows. I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. I'm willing to walk wherever you will follow. We can say that. Then we will be better than the Pharisees. But only then. If you have a need this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.